0: Welcome back to Get Unstuck and On Target. I'm Mike O'Neill with Bench Builders. And whether we're working with supervisors to improve their people skills or it's me coaching a leader one on one, getting leaders and companies unstuck is at the heart of everything we do. And that's exactly what this podcast is about. Joining me is Connor Offit. Connor is the CEO of Atos Imaging. Now, I want you to think drones, VR, 3D scanning, their vision is to revolutionize the build environment by using 3D scanning technology to enhance how facilities train their staff, manage their assets, and collaborate online. We got a lot we can talk about, but let's start with saying, welcome, Connor. Nice to be here. Nice to be here. Thank you for that kind introduction. Connor, I would love to cover several things in our conversation um, today. I was drawn to you initially because you have an interesting background from an entrepreneurial standpoint i love to kind of explore that a bit atos imaging it's a unique service and i think that the listeners would find benefit and learn a little more about uh, where that is and how you're embracing technology in a way that makes it very very practical for your users and i really like to get into time permitting to what you introduced me to and that is the concept of industry four point that's the flow i love to take got a, ready, we've got a lot to cover together today Well, we're going to get started on that. Connor, you you were part of founding your business, but you kind of had the entrepreneurial bug for a while. Tell us a little more about your journey as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So, I mean, I really like to say that my entrepreneurial
1: journey goes back to even my childhood where I was raised as a missionary kid uh, in Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, and Thailand. So I really grew up in a complex environment, needing to adapt to my surroundings, fit in, learn different languages. And that really gave me the grit that I have today on what it takes to build a business. I was always creative and trying to find different ways to make money and whether that was a a local, you know, boutique, pest killer shop to take care of the rodent problem with my my neighbors or uh, building my own video game when I was 11 years old. I was always looking for different ways to get creative even in these different types of environments. And so moving back to the U.S. for college and then jumping into the, the business world, I started a tennis academy in Atlanta. We ran that for about years and happy to say that it was very successful. We focused on high-performance juniors, and that really taught me what I needed to know about maintaining a balance sheet, being fiscally responsible year-round, managing other coaches and players, and really learning how to lead and build an organization. I'll be a small one, nothing compared to what we're doing now, but that's sort of how I got my journey started.
0: You used the word grit a moment ago and that you were able to do these things, but it required grit. In what way have you had to rely on grit in your role there at Atos? Well, grit's such an
1: important thing, uh, Mike. As a CEO, you never know what problems you're going to face and what types of things you're going to have to deal with. And so, you know, whether that's getting a team on board that's solving a new problem, encountering something that you never thought you would have to deal with, and then just weathering the stress of running a business. There's financial insecurity. You're trying to, quite frankly, be responsible for the livelihoods of, in our case, about 15 families. And that's not easy. That's a lot of responsibility to hold on your shoulder. And so you need grit to persevere, to keep your sanity throughout the difficult times. And you know, I think that's a really important characteristic of anybody who's going to lead
0: a business. You didn't necessarily list the number of employees. You mentioned families. And as you know, I have an HR background, but when you have a business, you have to be mindful, ever mindful that those who work for you have families. And the decisions you're making uh, impact not just them, but their families. You've also shared with me that y'all have been uh, very fortunate and that you are growing. You're growing at a relatively fast pace. Could you describe in more layman's terms, what is what is the service you offer? And can you explain it in a way that a person like me could understand?
1: Yes. Yeah, so essentially what we
0: tapped into
1: in the founding days of ATOS is the idea that visual matters. And so what I mean by that is We can all instantly understand that if I've got a picture of something, then that helps me understand what I'm looking at far more than a description of the thing, right? And so we take that concept to its very end by imaging entire factories, facilities, class A commercial buildings, et cetera, to give the people that operate that asset, that building, a visual perspective of everything that they do on a day-to-day basis. And so even more tactically, what that means is, say, for example, I'm a contractor and I get a work order to go service a valve at one of these factories. Mm-hmm. Well, I might show up and I might not have the first clue where that valve is, right. right? Maybe I spend 30 minutes, an hour, even looking around, trying to identify where it is. If you have the visual content of what you're stepping into, not only do you know exactly where to go, but you can actually even essentially pre-visit the site, look at everything that you're stepping into, make sure you have the right tools, you're prepared for the job, and even almost diagnose the problem before you even get there. And that's just one example of the power of the visual that elevates that existing experience. And so we're not really reinventing the wheel of the processes that we're enabling. It's training, it's asset management, it's work order management, it's maintenance management, But what we're doing is reinventing the way, the form factor that that cross
0: by bringing that visual element to the end user and to the operators. Yeah, I'm a visual learner, and so this resonates very much for me. Uh, We were talking about training. If you can offer a visual representation Mm. of what it is that this person is going to be working with, and its relationship to the other things, is that, that it adds a whole new dimension that it's it kind of escapes most can you elaborate a little bit about how your service your product if you will how does it help improve the training of those using it so
1: let's first take a look at how things are today and then how they're different with atos i think that's the best way to paint this story here so today training happens in a couple different ways you might get a training manual right a bunch of procedures that you're supposed to follow you might get some videos that walk you through generically here's the safety training start stop procedure you might get some books around general best practices when it comes to operating equipment and then you go through of course apprenticeship you're going to be walked through these step-by-step procedures often in very loud environments you're stressed it's your first time on the job you're trying to absorb it all right and so that's really the status today and quite frankly Even a lot of places don't have all three of those completely figured out. Now, what we do with ATOS is since we operate on the basis of this 3D representation of their building, K imagery, I can see exactly where everything is. It's like Google Street View for the inside of your facility. Oh, we can walk them through these step-by-step procedures and take the guesswork completely out of the learning process. So instead of generically go to the emergency evacuation shutoff valve, we can show them exactly where that is in their facility. We can show them exactly where the start button is on the big piece of equipment. We can show them exactly where the shutoff valve is. We can show them where they're supposed to deposit hazardous materials, right? So it takes the guesswork out of the ambiguity and the general training that happens, and it's actually immersing them into their own facility and walking them through these step-by-step procedures so that they know exactly what to do and are ready And we've seen a reduction in the onboarding time by as much as 50 to percent So what used to take six months to get fully operational is now taking about two. And that's incredibly impactful when it comes to the turnover and the change management and the continuation of the institutional knowledge that you have at these facilities.
0: Connor, as you know, I have had the opportunity to work in a variety of industries, manufacturing, sometimes I've spent a lot of time in, and in manufacturing, you mentioned the onboarding piece. People forget how costly, ineffective, protracted onboarding is. If you can bring people in, train them correctly up front, you're going to have them up to speed, operating with confidence more quickly, most likely more safely. And when you begin looking at what does that save, because you get them up to that, it really adds up pretty fast. You know, Connor, you shared that you as an entrepreneur at a very early age, I think you said you develop a software video game, my bad. You, you're describing technology that I understand in concept. You, as a as a company, you're bringing multiple technology to bear on this outcome. How have you found technology changes so fast? It does. Is the combination that y'all have come up in terms of the tools is has it even changed in the time that Atos has been around? Absolutely.
1: And and the way to the way that we look at this, Mike, is we are trying to understand fundamental driving forces in the market and then latch onto those concepts and think from first principles rather than saying, oh, VR is the thing that everybody's obsessing about. We need to jump on that bandwagon and go build something right there. That's not how we think. We think from first principles, okay, here's a couple of things that that your audience might be fascinated with. So first off, The cost to capture reality is trending down towards quasi zero. That's a Mm -hmm. bunch of words there. What that means is, you know, if you think of the computing revolution, right? We all are all should be familiar with the concept like Moore's law, Mm -hmm. where the doubling of computing is happening at about every 18 months or so. Well, so is facial skin. Mm -hmm. So this concept of it's going to get easier and easier to capture and represent reality. That's not an individual technology, not a camera. It's a, That's a movement, right? That we're getting better and better It's getting cheaper and cheaper to capture and scan reality. That could be drones, it could be robots, it could be better cameras, it could be better methodologies, better software. We're all riding that wave, right? So that's a, a core fundamental principle that we're attached to. And so then the question is, how do you enable that revolution for operators and for facilities. So then you have to think, okay, what are they doing every single day that could be better and enabled by this visual experience? They need to train and onboard staff. They need to manage their assets. They need to track histories of maintenance, procedures, documentation, compliance records. And they need to troubleshoot and have remote field service capabilities so that they can actually coordinate across an entire portfolio of assets and synchronize efficiency of their operation across multiple disparate factories that are still running the same type of equipment, but have very different personnel and oftentimes very different procedures. And so we are sort of bringing all these things together. And, you know, I haven't even mentioned IOT yet and predictive maintenance and how that revolution is is fit for ATOS as well, because we amalgamate a lot of these disparate systems into a single pane of glass that puts your building in the pocket. And so that, that's kind of the, the ethos, if you will, of how we're writing these technologies. But we're really agnostic to any one particular trend in the market. We're really trying to think holistically about what this platform ought to be in the limit.
0: I want to come back to this in a moment, but I also would like to kind of get your thoughts on Industry 4.0, I understand this is new to me, but that concept has been around for a while. Can you explain what that is, please?
1: Sure, I'll I'll do my best. And and this is a quite touchy subject for some. So I'll I'll try not to, you know, make anybody upset who has maybe strong opinions. But the way that I look at Industry 4.0 is it's the push towards better process, better automation, and better data. And that's, that's sort of the overall thesis, right? And that's, okay, great. What does that actually mean, right? And what it means, I'm going to give this and specifically the uh, the concept. So there's industry 4.0 for manufacturing, mm-hmm. and you can understand that as robotics, right? Better automated lines, fewer people, faster production cycles. That's sort of what it means for there. In our, in our world, I'm using industry 4.0 on the operations side mm-hmm. as utilizing data for predictive maintenance rather than scheduling or even worse reactive maintenance so what does that mean that means i have a vibration sensor on a pump on a chiller that is showing and detecting anomalies to say we can actually predict based on the slight variation of vibration that this pump is going to fail in four months let's go ahead and fix it now before it costs fifteen thousand dollars to rebuild that's just one example of this concept of better automation and better data in the way that we manage our facilities and operations. Another example there would be more streamlined training and more. And a, and a further example there is going to be being able to do things remotely, tap into your controls, your, your your asset management from sort of bird's eye view perspective and being able to service things without necessarily needing to have boots on the ground. Now, as my Best friend Ralph says it still takes a shovel to dig a hole. And so you, we're not anywhere close to displacing the people that actually run these facilities, but we're actually trying to enable them to do more efficient, more productive work. So that's kind of this whole concept of Industry 4.0 and how
0: it's driving
1: the, the entire market.
0: You know, one thing I picked up, we had a conversation prior, and one thing I picked up that kind of caught my attention that really said, I think Connor would be a good podcast guest is yeah, you understand technology. Your team really understand technology. But what you said is something about that first principle. We got to understand how that technology could be used, should be used. And you're trying to keep an eye towards that end user. If if you walk in, all you have is a lot of technology that doesn't serve a purpose. They may be cutting edge, but you're looking at very practical things, training, maintenance, PM. The, the list goes on, is these are things operation leaders deal with every single day and probably don't have the capacity to go out there and, and research all of this technology. It seems as if you can come in and you can offer that visual representation, that 3D representation, and give it back to them in a way that is practical. Am I hearing that correctly? Oh, you're, you're
1: right on the money. And this is core to who we are as a company. It's not good enough to be cool. It has to be valuable. We, we are pragmatists over here at Atos. And so the first thing that we do every time we pioneer or ide- ideate a new feature or new technology, does this serve the customer? Does this make their lives easier? And will this actually be adopted at scale? And what ends up happening is we end up ruthlessly simplifying everything that we thought needed to be complicated. Every iteration of Atos gets simpler, not more complicated. We we are always trying to reduce and take parts away and and think about how can I make this even more intuitive? How can can I make this even simpler for the user? At the end of the day, they don't need to know about all this magic behind the stack. They don't need to know about how incredible our code base is or our technology is doing this, this, and that behind the scenes. That doesn't matter to them what matters to them is they're able to do their work in a better way today than they did yesterday. And that's what we care about. And so we we apply that sort of Occam's razor approach, if you will, to everything that we do and try to simplify, make things pragmatic and leverage technology only when it's useful and valuable. We do believe technology has incredible ability to reinvent the way that things are done and make things more efficient. Otherwise we wouldn't exist. But I think so many of our peers just go too far and they're detached from their end user. You know, I, I like to walk the facility. I hang out with the, our end users. You know, I'm not just leading this company from a you know, skyscraper somewhere. I'm out there on the field. I'm not beyond going out and doing a scan myself and hanging out and understanding you know how they're using it because everybody at our team is. We have to understand what are the real problems that they're facing and be the first line of defense to hear the problems that, or the pain points that they're having with our products so
0: that we can fix it. As CEO, Connor, you are at the helm of a fast growing organization with technology coming hard and fast, but you said that you really want to emphasize all of the distractions. It's Mm. not important for the end user to fully understand the magic behind the stack, it's important to make sure that y'all have not lost sight. What is the real problem and what is the most practical solution we can offer? How do you plan to keep that baked into the DNA to your organization as you grow? Well, that's where the grit comes in, my friend.
1: Mm. There's this concept called, you know, entropy, right? And so without attention, things devolve towards chaos necessarily. So I have to be a steward of the culture and of the people and of the mission and of the vision. And it takes constant reinforcing. Sometimes one of my favorite pieces of advice is being a CEO is you're actually CRO in the sense that you're the chief repeating officer and you need to keep repeating the things that are most important to the team because, you know, you take for granted, you hire five new people. They haven't been there for the last three years. They don't have these things ingrained into their psyche. And so, you know, it starts from the top, but it also means that our leaders and those that are in an executive role at Atos have to embody that same style of thinking. And I have to hold them accountable and to the highest standard to make sure that that is going downstream. And then, you know, we we love to just manage up in our sort of leadership style. It's almost an inverted pyramid, right? Me being the C- CEO just means that I have to deal with the most problems and serve the most people. And, you know, I'm at the foot, not at the head, if you will. And so, you know, that that servant mentality of how can we make sure that everybody above us is taken care of is extremely important. And I think it, it, it doesn't happen automatically. It requires maintenance. It requires attention. It requires stewardship. But if you're aware of those things and you're attentive to them, you can maintain a phenomenal culture over time.
0: You're anticipating my only one prescriptive question. Let me blurt that out, and that is reflect on your experiences. It may be personal, it may be business. Can you share an example where you or your organization got stuck, and what did it take to get unstuck? Yeah.
1: So I'll I'll do this from the perspective
0: of our deployments
1: as a process overall. So if I go back to late 22, what we realize is that we we're deploying this incredible software, but our user data and statistics showed that people would use it for two weeks and it would be exciting. And the next thing you know, two months later, nobody's logging in. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was, I was stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, I just couldn't figure out like, this is incredible. How are you not using this every day, right? And what we realize is we we're, we are massively underestimating how much we needed to be consultants and service providers. And while you know the venture capital market out there has this wonderful idea of what software as a service ought to look like these days is you click a button, you buy your Netflix subscription, and you never have to interface with another human again. And it's free cash flow and it's incredibly, you <laughs> know, and, and you have this amazing machine. You know, our business doesn't work that way. And so we have to actually go through this process of implementation and customer success that we've had to build out an entire organization within ATO service, the onboarding, implementation, and change management with our clients because they are not the subject matter experts on our technology. We are, they're the subject matter experts on their facility. And so we now have a very sophisticated onboarding and implementation customer success process to make sure that not only are we doing as much of the work for them, nobody likes homework. Nobody likes to go in and put data from one system into the next and label and identify things. Let's do that for you. Let's help you build your initial training courses. Let's help you go through, let's go through a comprehensive training, and then let's continue to follow on to make sure that you're actually achieving the ROI that you were promised. Now, does that mean it's more expensive for me that I got to go hire more people to service that? Yes. Is it worth happy, incredible customers? Of course. And so that was like, in a way, a theme of the entire year where we were just stuck. Mm. To get unstuck, we had to kind of push some of the advice that we were getting aside and say, no, no, we have to embrace the service and the consulting side of this. And we can't just let our customers go out and tread water and figure this out. We have to have to guide them uh, and really help them through this process. And, and that's now part of our DNA. And we believe that that's going to be uh, a big way that we succeed where others don't in this industry.
0: Great example. Connor, as you reflect on what we've discussed, what do you want to be the takeaways for our viewers and listeners?
1: Mm, well, go check out etosimaging.com for sure. Uh, and if you're in facilities at all, whether that's a small, medium, or large type of facility, please go ahead and, and say hi and we'd love to have a chat with you. So that's definitely a takeaway. But, you know, look, I, I think that overall, there's a lot of technology out there right now. There's AI, there's VR, there's things that are happening that, and, and I hate to break it to you, but it's not going to slow down. Hmm. It's only going to accelerate. So rather than being overwhelmed by the change and peace. Hey, think from first principles. Think about value. Think about culture. And think about the things that matter. That no matter what technology comes out, these things are going to be eternal in a way. And so, if you're rooted in that mindset and you have critical thinking at your core, you'll be just fine. And so, that would be the takeaway that I would say I'd like the audience to hear.
0: This has been Rich Connor.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate the time.
0: You know, I've got a question for our listeners. Are people following you because you have to or because they want to? You know, as a leadership coach, I work with executives who have a track record of success behind them, but they're now feeling stuck. They're frustrated because they're finding with each level of success that follows, the bar gets set even higher. And they get discouraged because what worked in the past is no longer working. My clients, despite all their successes in the past, are lacking the clarity and confidence to make the decisions needed to get to that next level. Through coaching, we work together to unravel hidden blind spots, challenge limiting beliefs, and establish a strong sense of accountability. So if feeling stuck describes you or someone you know, let's talk. Go to bench-builders.com to schedule a call. So I'd like to thank you again for joining us, and I hope you have picked up on some quick wins from Connor that will help you get unstuck and on target.